here with uh, Beth Shree and you're part or founder of the ministry, Life Giving Wounds? Not the founder, okay. but I am on the board and I run the yeah. chapter in the Denver Archdiocese. Okay. And um, so tell us about it. It's for to help uh, children of divorce uh, to heal and process maybe some of the things they've gone mm -hmm. through, through retreats and things. But can you give us the, the overview? Yeah, so Life Giving Wounds, the mission is to give voice to the pain experienced by adult children of divorce and separation and to help them find healing in Jesus Christ and his church. And it may seem surprising that there needs to be a ministry like this because in our culture and society, we just expect kids to be fine. You know, mm -hmm. like divorce is just another way you grow up. It's another yeah. form of the family, you know, and we've right. heard, you know, it, it really matters that the parents are happy. Yeah. The parents are happy. The kids will be happy. Right. They're resilient. There's right. benefits to divorce. Right. All these things that we hear over and over again, mm -hmm. so they become our reality. Mm -hmm. But if a child of divorce, whether they're still in the home or they've grown up, hears these things constantly, they start to believe, well, I'm fine. Yeah. Well, I don't have a right mm -hmm. to feel anything. <laughs> And so we take the, that pain and that grief and that sorrow and all the emotions, mm -hmm. anger, anxiety, and we tend to just stuff them down Yeah. because we have to survive. Right. And the, on the retreat, there would be talks, whatever, to hopefully maybe help a person process that or? Totally. Yeah. So they're all led by predominantly adult children of divorce mm -hmm. themselves. Mm. So it's for, by your peers who understand the wound from the inside, mm -hmm. as our founder, Dan Neola, likes to say. Um, and we basically, the whole process of the retreat is the Paschal Mystery. So we start Friday night is our Good Friday, where we just get back into our story. And we allow the participants time to journal, and we talk about the wound of silence, which is what makes it hard for us to acknowledge the breakdown of our family mm -hmm. and to have to work hard to even acknowledge that there's pain and grief there. Mm -hmm. So we just bust that open mm -hmm. and just get them back remembering. And then Saturday is our sort of holy Saturday, just sitting in that place of emptiness and darkness. We talk about how it affects, the wound affects our identity, how it affects our relationships, especially romantic relationships and marriage. Um, we talk about how it leads to anger, temptation to sin, anxiety. And then we talk about what forgiveness can look like. We kind of dip our toe into those waters. Most people aren't ready to forgive because you have to know what you're forgiving before you can forgive. And then Saturday night we have adoration. We have confession throughout. And then Sunday is the resurrection. We talk about redemptive suffering. We do Lexio Divina along with um, praying with the wound that we've experienced, like talking about Jesus at the wedding feast of Cana and applying that to the loss of our parents' love together. It's really beautiful. I think of St. Thomas, is that a reflection too? Like him touching the wounds of Christ, the resurrection appearance? Absolutely. Yeah. That's our front cover on the retreat oh, manual. Okay. Yeah. I saw, I read a great article one time by Father Paul Scalia. He talked about paraphrasing my interpretation of his article was we shouldn't be too tough on thomas but he wanted to see the wounds um that it's not really a, a the messiah it's not really you know jesus was crucified that's what it that's how he redeemed us so we should be suspicious of you know we want to see the wounds in a sense because that's what he, he suffered for us that 
uh, that cross there. But yeah. And what what so the situation is? I guess people are wounded in different ways from the divorce of their parents. But is there typical ways? Um. Well, our stories are so different. Mm -hmm. You know the way it all plays out. Some mm -hmm. some folks have their mom or their dad just leaves. Others, yeah. like my experience of going back and forth with regularity. Mm -hmm. Others, you know, have parents who are friendly, who get along well. And that's actually really confusing because if they're so friendly, why aren't they married? Yeah. And then yeah. there's the opposite end where there's high conflict and it mm -hmm. feels very um, dysregulating and, and can be dangerous even. Mm -hmm. And so all of our stories, and then there's half siblings, there's step siblings, there's step parents. And then some of us have experienced multiple marriages and divorces. Mm. It's wild to think about, but I know several people that have experienced that. But the same theme, the same thread in each of them is the grief mm. and the loss of our, the, our parents' love together. You know, when they got married, they made a vow before God. Right. Right. And then they, they kept that vow enough to bring us into the world. Mm. But then something happened or there was a decision to reject that. And it's like the earth that we're standing on as their children just crumbles mm. and no one acknowledges it. Our yeah. family dies yeah. Yeah. and there's no grieving process. Right. There's nothing we can say or do about it. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this, like with celibacy, like the priests that I've known, like holy priests, there's something so comforting and solid, right? About some people that are, they just seem like they're given over to the Lord they're loving him. They might not have many talents or charisma or gifts or abilities, <laughs> but they, you know, they love the Lord. And there's something so powerful about that. They really believe. They're really giving themselves to to God. And I maybe the same in marriage. It's like when a child senses that bond commitment, it's reassuring, stabilizing, and you feel secure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things where just in my own marriage where I can see that my husband would it would be very good for him to connect with this child in this way. Yeah. And same with me. He could say, like, you needed to go talk to our daughters about this. Yeah. You know, so that synergy of masculine genius, feminine genius mm -hmm. coming together to be the safety net for the child. I mean, in God's providence and wisdom, mm -hmm. of course he would do that, you know? Right, right. So when that's ripped apart and yeah. mom is rebuilding her life and dad is rebuilding their life and then yeah. there's new relationships and new things, there's no mom and dad shoulder to shoulder, side by side united that are turning toward their children yeah. to provide the place for them to grow and yeah. thrive and develop. Yeah. Yeah, and to see married couples in love, everybody loves to see that. You go to a wedding and, and mm -hmm. it feels, I don't know if the word's reassuring, but um, it's just a beautiful thing that we all crave, right? We want to be around that. And Absolutely. Yeah, I was just preaching on marriage, marriage last weekend and um, just completely forgetting the gospel. <laughs> that was, it was a holy family. Yeah, holy family. Perfect. <laughs> and, and the, you know, there's famous quotes by John Paul. I mean, he didn't come up with it, I guess, but just the, the family is the fundamental cell of society. You know, as the family goes, so does the world type of thing. That it's just absolutely essential to building 
society and stability. And mm -hmm. so what happens when a country has 50% divorce rates, right? Right. It seemed like, to me, it's like the single biggest indicator of problems. I mean, it seemed like so many things come back to that. Don't yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's rampant in our society today. So part of the elements on the retreat is identity. Mm -hmm. And what did you mean by that? We don't know how to see ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for my, in my case, in my story, um, I grew up going back and forth between my mom's house and my dad's house several times a week, even um, alternating weekends and then certain days during the week. Um, and I could act one way at my mom's house, but not at my dad's. Mm -hmm. I could ask for things at my dad's, but not at my mom's. I look like my mom, mm -hmm. but I act a lot like my dad. Mm -hmm. So if, if you can imagine yeah. being one of my parents yeah. or one of the step parents coming into that mm -hmm. to see like a miniature of the ex-wife mm -hmm. coming into the family, it would take a lot for a stepmother to welcome that child with open arms, oh. especially not being her child. My yeah. stepmother is amazing, by the way. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, there's just, there's so many different factors. And so for me, I had to be a sort of chameleon. And I grow, grew up from the time they divorced around age five until I was 18, taking mm -hmm. a duffel bag to school, mm -hmm. going to different houses, trying to meticulously plan what things I need to bring and to take and to wash and to find and have all together. Yeah. It was exhausting. Right. But I just didn't know who I was because mm -hmm. I was so used to coming into each home and just very quickly assessing the situation, figuring out what do I need to do? What do I need to be? What's the mood here? Yeah. How is this gonna go? I need mm -hmm. to get it together and be on board so I don't cause anybody any problems. Mm. It's not the ideal way to grow up. Right, right, right. But I heard Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse said, why don't the parents switch homes? That would be yeah, the Some of them try it, but it doesn't last doesn't long. Work, yeah. And the argument that, well, if a couple's fighting, uh, isn't it better they get divorced? And I, you know, someone pointed out, I think it was Janet Smith said, you know, they might witness to the, to perseverance in marriage. And they might even witness to long suffering and carrying your cross and difficulties in life and because I, I preach on this sometimes. That's what I, I come back to, like looking at my family and seeing the sicknesses, maybe some financial problems they had at times in their life. And I saw them, you know, persevere through this stuff. And it's like, that's the lesson I come back to, like to draw from that well. For some reason, it's not so much, oh, my dad gave me this great catacomb teaching one time or something yeah. but i saw him persevere with cancer you know and be faithful and that kind of thing and um there's something like you just can't plumb the depths of that you know when someone witnesses and they're suffering and carrying the cross mm -hmm. it just seemed like that's just something you can it's just something very deep isn't it absolutely and so a difficult marriage they persevere there's a witness there right absolutely um, Absolutely. And studies show that if you stay, if they're struggling in a marriage, thinking about divorce and stay married for one year, chances are they're going to be in a better place. If they stay married for five years, chances are they're going to be in a much better place. This is what they've studied. But also back to your point about carrying the cross. There's a great quote from um, Deacon Harold Burke Silvers, if you know him. And he says, um, parents who divorce lay down the cross of their broken marriage 
and it is their children who must pick it up and carry it from then on. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Yeah. It is. So another aspect of the retreat is relationships and marriage itself. Like, oh, how that's impacted by right. the divorce. Okay. How is that impacted by the divorce? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, it's a tricky one because let's just walk through. Uh, so let's say the parents divorce when the child is, you know, eight. Like my friend, good friend back in uh, Colorado, his parents divorced when he was eight and he was, you know, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me. He gets married to a wonderful woman and she can see the effects. She'll bring it up, but he's like, no, it doesn't affect me. That's not what this is about. She'll bring up other things like, hey, I think we should do this or I'm sensing this. And and he's just dismissive or he'll shut down. And and she's like, there's something here, but I I keep running into a wall and I want this unity with my husband, Mm -hmm. but he keeps backing away and we keep missing each other and having the same argument over and over. They even went to like a general healing retreat and nothing. And then this this young man came on our first Life Giving Wounds retreat in Denver, had a totally eye-opening experience and went back home to his wife and said, it affects everything. Let me tell you how. And now the unity that they have in their marriage is phenomenal because she can come alongside him, speak truth into his experience of what's happening now and they're shoulder to shoulder, there's this great synergy of healing and honesty and vulnerability yeah. that comes from him. But it took him to just realize there's a problem here. Right. And that's what's hard for adult children of divorce. We don't connect so many things that go on with our life to right. that root factor. We just think, oh, I'm anxious, or oh, I'm just not good enough, or I just have anger issues, or you know, I'm just too stressed all the time. But if we peel it back, the way our Lord wants us to, and we do it with Him. Like, Jesus, what is this about? Why am I feeling this way? Where did this come from? When have I felt this before? Yeah. And oftentimes we'll see if we're just curious, there's a connection there. Yeah, I'm thinking of like, too, like examination of conscience at the end of the day, or the particular examine of the Ignatian method, you know, that just to examine our day and just kind of be open to changing things or looking why, maybe some reasons why I did that or repent of things we need to repent of. But just, I guess, the process of just self-examination, not to be Mm self-obsessed, but it it struck me, Reese, because we had a retreat last year on the Ignatian Method and and I try to do it most days and even drew in some journaling on top of that, (laughs) which I feel that for most of my life, finally, last, year i've started to journal and it's powerful yeah just to look at a little bit yeah like what happened today and maybe bringing a scripture passage it seems to address the issue and uh there's something powerful one i just might have to repent or i might have to make amends for something but um there's something you can move forward it's like you get unstuck yeah and and move forward and and two like we all have, we handle conflict, right, in different ways. So I guess a couple, a young couple starts fighting and it's like maybe one guy withdraws and right. maybe, maybe she's really loud. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so you got to learn how to work that out. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We tend to marry our exact opposite. <laughs> and 
then uh, you said also you connected it with maybe possible temptations in marriage. Mm -hmm. Just temptations in general. You know, when we, I think it's a common thing when we feel things start to bubble up, you know, whether it's memories or we get triggered or something starts to rhyme with something we've seen before, mm -hmm. um, we want to numb out. Mm. We want to run. And there's, mm. you know, common temptations, you know, pornography, phone addiction, mm. other things that people just don't want to feel the hard stuff. And so they'll go to something else yeah. instead as a substitute, instead of sitting in it and say, Lord, what is this? Tell me where you are. I need healing and just begging him yeah. to meet them in it. Because something's being triggered that connects to a deeper pain type exactly. of Exactly. Yeah. And then they, you medicate that pain with uh, mm -hmm. Not that I would ever do anything like that, but I've been told, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do it to some degree. Check out or whatever, yeah. And forgiveness, that's a big one. What do you, what do you tell about forgiveness? Well, this is a tricky one because like I said earlier, it's, it really is like a summit that you visit over and over again. Um, we can't just say, I forgive my parents. You know, you can't just say, I forgive anybody if you don't know what you're forgiving because for forgiveness has to be specific. Um, at the end of Genesis, the story of um, Joseph, when his brothers come to find him and he reveals himself that he's Joseph at that, that meal in Egypt, he doesn't just say, you know, I'm your brother Joseph. He says, I am Joseph whom you sold into slavery. He names the harm. <laughs> and so we, as the adult children of divorce, we can't just give cheap forgiveness. Yeah. So we really can't forgive until we have a sense. I, I forgive my mom for saying this thing for, to me when I was a child. Yeah. Or I forgive my dad for this instance of doing this. You know, those types of things, very specific. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be reconciliation. It doesn't have to be two-way. It can just be for us. Because reconciliation is awesome, but it's not always possible. Right, right. So we really just kind of give them like the lay of the land of this is what forgiveness looks like uh -huh. for when you're ready to go there. Sometimes uh -huh. people come, they're like, I got to write a letter of forgiveness to both yeah. of my parents before I leave here. And we're yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have the whole rest of your life to yeah. do this. This is yeah. important. Right. But let's get into the wound. Let's grieve yeah. it yeah. first right. and really start there. And to get into the wound. That's talking about it, sharing about it, or what is Absolutely. That? Yeah, just remembering it and naming what was experienced. Mm -hmm. As an adult, looking back, mm -hmm. sometimes people's parents adult or parents divorce when they're older. That's becoming more and more common. And that's still really hard. Yeah. Because everything that you remembered, everything that once was, suddenly there's this great chasm between you and that time and you can never go back. Yeah. You know, it is devastating. And that's one I think is even less noticed because you're out of the home. What's the problem? Yeah, yeah. So what? But it's devastating. They're yeah. calling it gray divorce because mm. it's happening so much now. Yeah, it was actually on an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yeah. I've not seen that show. Yeah, it was uh, the wife, um, her parents. I mean, you know, so she's married to Raymond and have kids and everything, but her parents divorced and it was really poignant because it's hmm. usually just one joke after another of the show and but at the end of it like they're in bed and she just asked Raymond just hold me and then, so he, he, he you know because she, she's trying to deal with the parents getting divorced 
And, but then I thought the brilliance of it was, he, she said, tighter, mm. tighter. She said, tighter. and it's like, it was just enough of a pause in this endless joke factory show wow. <laughs> that this was a serious moment. But to, to say it two or three times, I thought it just communicated it beautifully, mm. the reality of how destabilizing, I don't know what the word is, but uh, how it shakes us. That's beautiful. Yeah. So talking about, would it, like in the retreat, would it be maybe like a one-on-one -on -one situation or would a group sharing or? Before the whole retreat? Yeah, or? like say someone's going to, to know what they're forgiving and they're mm. trying to, I forget the term, like the, the wound or. Wound of silence. Yeah. And so maybe would you guys like break off in pairs to talk, to share maybe something? We do them? offer like one-on-one -on -one meetings. Those mm. are usually with, if the participants have particular questions. Yeah. But the forgiveness is, after each talk, we give time to journal. Mm -hmm. So we get them in their story, and then we talk about identity. They go journal about that. So yeah. how is their identity affected by what they experience? So yeah. it's kind of self-led in that response, in that particular way. Um, yeah, to just give them time to personal, because we download a ton of information um, I joke, it's like taking a sip out of a fire hydrant because there's so much. People will come back multiple times yeah. just so they can catch more of it. Right. Um, but then we give them a, time, a chance to just process it, make it their own, what struck them, keep staying in your story. Yeah. Um, and just kind of, so forgiveness, we encourage them to write a letter of forgiveness to one of their parents. But again, that's a, a lofty goal for the weekend. Yeah. yeah. So, And we also encourage them to, if they haven't already, to consider starting therapy. Mm -hmm. We offer support groups as well mm -hmm. for follow-up, so. I guess in the journaling, you would maybe look at things that moved you from the talk, or if you're doing mm -hmm. it at home, maybe things that moved you in the day, and so why did I respond that way? Yeah, just... that and just get writing the stories down. Mm -hmm. So much of us is stored inside of us. Mm -hmm. That if we, like you with your journaling at the end of the day, yeah. if we just give the habit of just get it out on the paper, mm -hmm. that does something to us. There's a release there. Yeah. And then we can change, change our brains, like take the other side of our brain and look at what we wrote and process it on a whole different level. That's yeah. like the beauty of journaling. It's awesome. Yeah, that's what I've heard it like in your right side. It's like the journaling moves it from the right to the left. Exactly. Yeah. And integrates it. Yeah. Like your left is more analytical. Your right is more, is it subconscious or anything? I that feel like. That sounds right to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, it, like, you can bounce in there and come right. out and eating a batch of Oreos or something. <laughs> or you can put it on paper, take it to the Lord, right? And, right. Uh, and, and, One of these things is not like the other. Yeah. And you, you can. Could put it somewhere. Okay, mm -hmm. this belongs there. This happened to me. It's something in the past. It's painful. I forgive mm -hmm. it. I've asked God to heal it. It doesn't have to run my life, like bouncing around in my head and mm -hmm. stuff. But, and so, so the role of forgiveness, when a person's able to do that, can you describe that kind of healing effect, impact? Say that again. Uh, when someone does forgive, okay, how does that help in healing? Yeah, well, you've heard the old adage, you know, when we hold on to resentment and unforgiveness, it's like trying to give someone poison and drinking it yourself, mm -hmm. you know? So if we hold on to those resentments, it's going to destroy us, right. not the person we're resenting. Mm -hmm. And so for us to be free, for us to really 
find integration and wholeness and the peace that we're seeking, we really do need to assess the harm done and then work toward forgiveness. Mm. And it can be small. It can start with Jesus. I want to want to want to forgive this person. Yeah. As many steps as we need and just continually offering that. Yeah. And Jesus will do the work if right. we just stay with him and go at his right. pace. Yeah, sometimes like in the secular world, they'll talk about resentment, but they're not good with the forgiveness part sometimes. That, right. uh, yeah, I mean, that does a lot to take away the power of the resentment, how it rules over us, mm -hmm. right? To pray for the person and stuff. And we find adult children of divorce oftentimes have to use forgiveness like a muscle. We have to mm -hmm. keep doing it. There's not like a one time, like, I'm just going to forgive. Oh, I did it. Everything's good. Like, yeah. things keep coming up. Because yeah. we love our parents and they're still in our lives, generally speaking, and we want mm -hmm. them there. But there's still going to be hurts, especially as we get married. And then we still have to go back and forth for different holidays and then weddings and baptisms and milestones. Like the tension, if there's tension or the awkwardness, if that's there, whatever is there only gets magnified yeah. in time. So the forgiveness has to become a muscle for us and a skill and a habit and a virtue and something that we just get real good at. Yeah, and maybe it helps us to accept the other person. Like, is there, if you're always raging against them in some way, and then if you can forgive and accept kind of who they are, then you can maybe really love them. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We keep trying to make them something they're not, or yeah, just sort of have that acceptance. Yep. Any other points that you should make, that we should make oh, in your retreat? Nothing's coming to mind right now. We are at several locations across the country. Um, we're still growing. Our website is lifegivingwounds.org. Okay. Um, and that, there's a whole list of all the places we'll be. I think we're almost fully booked for 2024. We also offer online retreats, online support groups if people can't make it in person. Um, like a, our, a Zoom thing? Or? Yes, okay. it's on Zoom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's a blog. There's mm. it, that, The blog on Life Women's website is amazing. Mm. People, ACODs will, adult children of divorce or separation will write their stories. And they're vulnerable and beautiful. And I'm, I'm just so proud of my brothers and sisters that are putting pen to paper for their stories and then putting them out there to share with the rest of us. And how long have you been involved with it? Oh, that's a great question. I went on my first retreat in 2018. Oh. So, and it wasn't life-giving wounds then. It kind of shifted and became afterwards. So, but okay. that's where I met Dan Miola, who's uh, the founder, and okay. became friends with him. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's a great joy. And maybe we'll end on a positive note. Of what? What? Because you're married. You have how many children? Eight. Eight. What would you tell a young, young couple approaching marriage? Hmm. <laughs> I would say, well, you know, my husband and I wrote a book on marriage. Uh -huh. So I would say when you feel like you're failing, uh -huh. when you feel like you're tired, mm -hmm. when you feel like you've screwed up again, mm -hmm. that that is the place that Jesus wants to meet you. Mm -hmm. And to love you through your spouse or for you to love your spouse in that yeah. moment. Mm -hmm. That, that nothing is wasted, mm -hmm. that marriage really is the great crucible. Mm -hmm. We've been married 25 years this mm -hmm. summer. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it's in our weaknesses that really love is tested and purified. Mm. Mm. And you just made me think of something. Oh, yeah. Last question. Okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, two people meet on love. There's some chemistry, there's attraction. But what would you tell them to look for in a good spouse? Like mm. maybe some Christian virtues. I Sometimes I just want to say, find a kind person, find a humble person, you know, how, yes. how important those kind of things are. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what I told my son, my <laughs> oldest son that we ran into yeah. in the hall. We were just chatting one day in the kitchen and it just occurred to me. I'm like, Paul, when you get ready mm -hmm. and you think you've found the one or yeah. you're starting to yeah. get serious, you need to make sure she can suffer well. Mm. And what did I mean by that? Like, not just find like a doormat, yeah, like yeah. not that at all, but someone, a woman who has her strength about her that knows what it is to sacrifice mm. because marriage is sacrifice. Yeah, There's, yeah. I, I think it's Monsignor Swetland said, marriage is getting, never getting to do what you want. Mm. <laughs> and that's totally true. So knowing how to suffer well and to be uh, steadfast in suffering mm -hmm. and to, to give of yourself when you don't want to. Yeah. That I think is the biggest thing. Humility, yeah. you know, kindness, like yeah. you said, mm -hmm. vulnerability, those are also yeah. fantastic as well. Yeah. That would be like yeah. the perfect yeah. cocktail, those four, I yeah. think. And women usually excel at that long suffering, don't they? I mean, even physically, childbirth yeah, right. and all that. Uh, so, well, thank you so much uh, for talking with us. It's yeah. been great. Thank you, Keep Father. Keep up the good work. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Mm -hmm.